we're in it. We're in it. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're right here. How you doing, Chavaudi? Fucking fabulous. How are you, Colin? I'm having a good time. I'm having a good day so far. You know, we're having, we got you in finally. We had some mishaps scheduling, but it all worked out. Facts. I'm glad to have you here. We're smoking a little doobage. Facts. The Oregon, the, the resident Oregon Midwest twins right here. Oh my God, we are. That's the thing. It's why I love you. Is it too early to say that? No, I've, I've been in love with you since I found out you were from the Midwest as well. <laughs> I love to hear it. I love to hear it. No, that's very sweet of you. Yeah, so we're both from the Midwest. Oh, shit. Okay, I can take my fucking headphones off. That's good. Uh, we're both from the Midwest. We're drinking some Paps Blue Ribbon here right now. It's okay. going to be a good time. We got you on the pod. Jamaudi Rodriguez from Pride of Milwaukee. Is that right? Pride of fuck. Pride of fucking Milwaukee drinking a Paps right now, as Damn it should straight. be. straight. That's how it is. As a, a fun fact for you, I didn't start drinking Paps until I left Wisconsin. That's crazy. Yeah, it's home, though. It tastes like home, so I had to go back, of course. Of course. There you go. Yeah. This is fun. No, it's the, I, I, love a, I love a Paps. I, that was the first beer I think I found. All of the beers that I love that are my favorite beers with the exception of one. One... People think I'm a hipster when it comes to beer, and I understand why. Right. You know, I get it. Um, but it, the thing is, is that those are the best beers, is those old man, like, sticky, stainy beers. Okay. Kind of like PB. PBR, I think, is the most palatable one. If you think you don't like, like, normal, old, shitty, old school beer, you like PBR, you just have been trained not to like it. This is true. Because the, the fucking status quo people... Want you to drink Bud Light and fucking Coors Light, and those are those are fine, but they're also garbage. Hundred percent, I, I can agree with this. I definitely. This beer has not changed since eighteen forty four for a reason. Eighteen forty four. This that that beer is older than the state of Oregon. It's the second oldest beer behind. I forget the other. I, I wish Yingling. I Yingling. Yep. Mm. Second oldest. Yeah, the Yingling. I've had a Yingling, and I, honestly, I'd probably be biased and still prefer Paps, but that's just my biased opinion. Yeah, of course. No, I think I prefer Paps, too, but uh, Yingling's good shit when you can get it. Yeah. I took a trip with my buddy, my 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 childhood best friend, who's this, this this dude from back home, and, and funnily enough, his last name is also Rodriguez. Right. Shout out, D-Rod. Um, he's going to love it. But uh, we went to the hockey game, the outdoor hockey game. I think it was New Year's 2020. Fuck and up. we went Bruins, Blackhawks, you know, playing. It's a bit of a rivalry, not a huge one. But they're playing at Notre Dame, the outdoor stadium, that football stadium, mm. outdoor hockey on New Year's Day, right? right? Right. It was a great game. Bruins won. It was great. Weezer played in between the second and third periods. Mm-hmm. We did not know that was happening. We just showed up and there was a Weezer show. Nice. And we were like, this is kind of funny but not enjoyable <laughs> so at any wrong? rate we, illinois is apparently far enough east or indiana i'm sorry that where notre dame is is far enough east that we could get fucking yingling and i bought a massive case the day we left nice and i milked that case of yingling for about two weeks is what i could i was drinking a lot more of those days than i do now that's that's not very alcoholic of you no, 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 no. I, I will. I think that was the time I was still in a band, and I think I brought him over, like the the doldrums over for band practice. And when you do that, they're gonna get drunk. Hundred percent. They're gonna get drank drunk. Uh oh, you're good. We're good. So this is welcome. I'm glad to have you in my home. Again, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad you know where I live. 
So, you know, if you need anything, you can just show up on my doorstep and be like, I need uh, I need you to hold, hide this gun. Yeah, yeah. I need you to hide Eeyore for me. I wouldn't want to take Eeyore <laughs> off of you. That's like... That's too much responsibility. I know how you care for that your gun. <laughs> I wouldn't want to cause you any separation anxiety. Yeah, I'm happy as perceived that I care for my gun more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you'd rather. Well, you've got to care. You have to have a modicum of care for your if you're going to own a firearm. This is true. I technically still don't know if this gun shoots. <laughs> you never taken it before? I've never shot it yet. Oh, man. You're going to shoot guns. It's a good time. I've shot a gun, but not this gun. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where you go to shoot guns in, in Oregon. Oh. I do know that not far from here, the, the the sheriff's office is, and they also advertise this is where you go for gun laws. And I've talked about it for gun licenses, and I've talked about you before. I don't want... The people who know my which gun I have to be the police. That's why I have a gun, mm. frankly. That can make sense. You know, I don't know about you, but that's how I feel. I didn't like it. But well, anyway, controversial opinions. You were telling me Portland people don't like talking about guns. Portland people, people in Oregon like guns. Portland mm. people are the exception, for sure. Which like, I kind of get, but... There's a, there's a firing range all over the place. Yeah. There's definitely a few in Portland. You go outside of Portland, you're going to hit a firing range. You just have to know where they are. That's very true. That's very true. I uh, want to get really into archery. That'd be, that's just some that's just some fucking stoic shit, I feel like. Just the one and wanting to get into the olden times of how hunting. That's that's just a different way of hunting in, in yeah. general. It's a different way of hunting, and it's a different... Uh, it's a, you know, we're going to run out of bullets one day if the shit hits the fan. Mm. I haven't watched The Last of Us, mm -hmm. but all I can think of when I see people in post-apocalyptic scenarios with guns thought the same thing about the road. Mm -hmm. yeah, excuse me. We're not going to edit that out. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, you're going to run out of bullets so fast. That's actually something in the road that's good. They make a point. They're like, he only has two bullets, and he's not getting any more. Mm -hmm. So like, it, like, I'm like, no, no, no. You get good at archery, you got, you know, shit for days. You can go make yourself some arrows. Yeah, no, blacksmiths were making bank back in the day. Yeah. For sure. But Definitely. I think, I think, honestly, controversial opinion, but liberals are going to run out of bullets before conservatives do. Certainly. Yeah, no, that's not controversial at all. That's, that's the thing. That's why I say to people who, are, you know, you know, want gun control things, I'm not necessarily, I don't want to say I'm anti-gun control. Right. But gun I'm anti-dumbass. I'm anti-dumbass. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. Keep your shit, I think it should be law that if you buy a gun, you need to have some kind of safe to put it in that's under some kind of you have to be, that like, is, that is all the of the problems that happen, like, school, not all of them, obviously, but, like, a good number, I think, of, like, problems with guns, when you talk about kids getting a hold of them and shooting somebody, is because they're, like, not properly secured. That, that's more user error, because in the training class that I did to get armed guard, uh, they are they informed you multiple times that you need to have two locks yeah. between uh, that gun and people, yeah. like, if you're not in the room. You should have a case, and you should have a trigger lock. Right, it's so it should be... Easy. So it really is going to be three. You have your door lock, yeah. your home door lock, but then you have a room door lock, and then you should have a safe inside your room. Very much so. That's, so that's two if you're not cutting the front door. Yeah. Shit. That's a good way of putting it. Mm -hmm. And see, that, that, that that's not unreasonable, I don't think. Yeah, it's usually error when people yeah. find your gun. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you shouldn't have your shit out and about. Like, But I, I don't know. I, I, 
I didn't really grow up around guns. My mom hates guns. My parents did not like guns, but my they're all one generation removed from very gun-heavy mm. people because they're like my bio mom's farm people. Okay. You know, so having a guns is like that's just a fact of life. You're gonna have be around guns. You're on a farm. Yeah, I definitely didn't grow up around guns, but that's definitely something that revolved my my mind around just the fact of like that guns are gonna be involved. Oh yeah. Better to get caught with one than without one, ladies and gents. Oh man. Well, people like I don't want to get too like dark, but like people going into like on a the bar murder podcast. <laughs> 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 on my murder, po- I don't want to get too dark. Wanna... This is all fun and games when I'm talking about murder <laughs> later. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. now I'm yeah. I feel comfortable because my friend Jim Audi's here and I'm loose. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And. <laughs> But uh, I I don't know. So we're I, I the whole thing is like people getting guns and walking into like gay bars and shooting a bunch of people like because yeah, they're gay. People. That's that's un, you know extremely unfortunate. But like our government's never going to take sweeping measures to prevent that from happening. So then if yeah. okay if that's just not going to happen, gay people would be like, or not I should I shouldn't make a banner thing in a public forum. But like I would rather the LGBT community know how to defend itself like outside of the context of the legal system or within if it's self-defense it's perfectly legal Mm -hmm. but i would love to walk by armed queer guards in on the way i hope it doesn't have to happen but part of me thinks that that would be badass to have like drag queens with ar-15s posted outside of all drag shows so people can't do dumb shit and shoot them up. If I or at the very least, I want drag queens to all be equipped with telescopic batons. Because mm, that's easily hit. I can back on this. You I know? can back on this. I would teach the uh, the class, if I knew how to walk in heels, I would teach a, bat- a telescoping baton heel drag wow. show defense course. If I, you know, I want to be a good ally. Mm-hmm. Get a baton matching with the heels that you're wearing that day. Darn tootin'. Yeah, you can dick it out wild. and everything. It'd be definitely wild. Um... <laughs> <laughs> One of my uh, one of my favorite things to do in passing is to arm the women in my life. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if there's a woman in my life, sister, mother, relative, even a spouse, whatever, if there's a woman in my life, friend, even a spouse, <laughs> yeah, I'm single as hell. Uh, if there's a woman in my life, um, I'll arm them, making sure. If, right when I find out they don't have a weapon, I'm immediately looking for one of the stray weapons I may have immediately wanting to show them how to use that that's something i think most men should do but oh yeah well i mean this is a rough world for women Mm -hmm. you know this this is like the ever-present thought of getting attacked and physically overpowered like is is terrifying you know, and the idea that you're, you you are very quick from a young age understand it, and also it's like, but that's also not something anybody should have to understand by a young age. Men don't walk around with that fear necessarily. I have a little bit of it, but that's because I was raised, I think, by women, and then uh, the, like the stranger danger really terrified me. As a child, I was very afraid of being stolen or, or kidnapped mm, because yeah. I didn't want to get molested. Because my parents are child abuse investigators. They're very overt in what happens to kids who get kidnapped. They're like, they're either kidnapping you to rape you or kill you. And I'm like, ah, neither good outcomes for me if I get kidnapped. And I think that fear of, like, a stranger doing something horrible to me 
has persisted a little. It's not bad now. It's not like a recurring phobia. I ride the train in Portland. I can't be afraid of that or else I would never get to work. This is true. This is true. You know. I definitely... I definitely am a five foot man, so I'm I'm, I'm aware. You're, yeah, well, yeah, people want to <laughs> fuck with you, probably. I, people people want to fuck with me, but not even really that. I I, I am one of, one of those lucky people that just look like I'm a drug dealer, so people don't want to fuck with me. They just because they there's a chance that I could be really cool and selling some drugs. <laughs> so I really I have mean that you're you're me. also a very like disarmingly kind person like yeah, yeah. you 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 i equate your kind of kindness to the people that i met in ireland weirdly <clears throat> fuck yeah because there's a there's a i, I talk about this a lot with my wife because she lived there for like six months right mm-hmm. and a little bit with quinn johnson because he he's spent some time over there but there's a like begrudging kindness to you and the nice. irish where it's like well i'll go i i'm I, i'll help you if i can but i'm not don't expect me to fucking smile like mm. while i'm doing it that's definitely like, me. don't that's expect me. kind like rosiness with your kindness mm-hmm. get the kindness for the kindness 100 you know you don't suffer fools i guess is what i'm trying to say i can definitely but also you like fooling yeah it's different yeah i definitely can see this i definitely have been told that in, in a different way so yeah. Yeah. As opposed to me, who I'm kind to a fault. Yeah, you just give me Midwest kind. Yeah, well, you're I think mean, there's something... To, yeah, but the, there's bubbling rage under all of it. 100%. Like, it's, <laughs> it's well aware right when you walk on stage and have a microphone in your hand. But... <clears throat> yeah, I'm pretty big. I don't, <laughs> I, it's been talked about on other podcasts that I'm not on. Just how loud I am. Yeah, no, your off switch is off. kind of hurts my feeling, that doesn't actually. I like having a thing. I don't know. It's kind of nice, and it's kind of nice just being... It's nice finding something that works, and I I shouldn't be as defensive or focus on it as much, I don't think. No, it's a a talent that you have, and you should definitely exploit the way you can exploit it. Well, and that's why I like talking now about theater stuff, because people immediately are like, oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I can't be what I'm not. I think for a long time in comedy, I was trying to present myself as cooler. My idea of, like, an intellectual type of comedy or, like, a really controversial type of comedy or a really political type of comedy. I've been through a lot of phases, mm-hmm. you know, where I'm basically just imitating comics I like. Yeah, no, you can definitely just smell the genuineness of a comic when they're on stage. I, I People say you could be able to, like, stretch the truth on a joke just for the joke but at the same time for me i like to stay on truth or like on track of that joke the entire time i don't like to stray away from the truth and i can always tell yeah and with you i can know you're genuine because it's just it's being birthed from somewhere else and it's just like we're I, I i don't understand fully but i know this is true and genuine you know what i'm saying yeah and you can just really <clears throat> with other people it's just like are you just putting up an act right now for the bit, or no, is this really you? Nice of you? Right, yeah. I think I don't know, man. Where do you get your like? Because you on stage, you're very. I don't want to say drawn down, but it is about the words and it's about the vibe. Yeah, you know, and it's casual and it's it's connecting with people, but it's also it's not. You're not big. You're not like mm-hmm. selling shit over much. It's more just like you find humor in your like natural tone and cadence you're pretty similar on stage as off stage yeah i I have to agree so because i definitely just 
I just I definitely just try to take the crowd into a different place for a little bit and just show them how I see the world mm. for that amount of time I have I'll hop on stage. How I'm literally just viewing the world as I'm walking throughout my day to day, and then I just somehow throw a punchline in there, right. throw a callback in there, and just turn it into a joke where it's an intriguing story that the audience can actually listen. But I really just. I'm going outside and people watching and that's really what I'm pulling from and I'm genuinely just relaying the information I see throughout the day and I somehow that's where the that's where the structure comes in where you see it in a a joke form Mm -hmm. where it's entertaining and where it's not just me nagging on stage oh yeah well and it's very nice to it's just it's a kind of it's disarming it's it's kind of meeting the audience at their level Right. You know? And there's something like, I don't know if you're familiar with, like, Nate Bargatze. Negative. The comedy. He's a Tennessee guy. He's pretty funny. And he's pretty, like, drawn down and dry, I would say, in terms of his uh, performance style, you know? But what I like, what he said once on somebody's podcast, I don't remember who's, but he's like, yeah, you want the audience to feel like you're, like, hanging out with them. Like, this is a little bit of, like, what it's like to just be around me. And make that the thing you project, 100%. which it's it's all about in any kind of artistic pursuit, creative pursuit. It's all about finding the part in yourself where you can like let go. And That's like, the funnest pr- part. And present what is you, your voice, you know, and your perspective, and finding what it is to push out. But it, it's a weird way to find an objective. It all ends up when you talk about it. All ends up sounding very abstract. Right. You know, and then you sound like you went to school for theater, (laughs) (laughs) which which I did. But you know what, Jamaudi, I don't regret it. (laughs) I mean, I don't knock you for it. I definitely would love to take some improv classes and think that's only just making you better at your talent. Oh, and it's just like there's parts of classes where it's all about like breath and move. There's a little class I didn't take at college, but I knew people in where it's just breath and movement and voice Mm -hmm. and, like, figuring out how to, like, throw your voice to the back of a theater and, you know, and present in a way posture-wise that contributes to character and stuff. And it's really, like I was talking about, I have, like, a need to be liked that's, like, the Midwestern part of me. I feel that. And I am also, like... Like I said, like bubbling with rage. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. what is the thing that come that kind of co- like splits the difference, <laughs> and that's being aggressive and loud on stage, but also seeming kind of wholesome. You'll like have your ups and downs on stage because like you'll like go, you'll go up real high like Sam Kennison, and then you like you like get real calm. You gotta like, get you gotta have dynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you'll, gotta be high and low. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's what makes it fun to watch. I I, I can agree. I but can you know agree. what else is fun to watch? Hmm. Your face when I tell you the details of this case, because it's fucked up, Jamaudi. I'm excited. So I was gonna give you Ed Gein because he's a Wisconsin boy, right? But I had I did that one with AJ, and we just released that one. You see, you should check that out. Also, you've come on a special day for me in terms of like personal podcasting goals because today february 28th we hit a hundred over a hundred plays wow on the podcast so that's a big that makes me feel very happy and i just wanted to say that and thank this will come out a long time after this 
But uh, everybody who listened, it's great. Thank you. Keep listening. I love it. Thank you so much. Nice little milestone. Uh, Yeah, we're available now as of today on Apple Podcasts, too. And we weren't for a while, and I was upset about that, but now you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Opening doors. Opening doors. Spinning. Here we are. Mm -hmm. You know, Stephen Sondheim. So we're going to do a different Ed with you, Jamaudi. This guy is a real fun he is a fan favorite in terms of serial kill uh, true crime aficionados people love this guy he's what we call a heavy hitter serial killer ed kemper are you familiar with him i'm not familiar with ed kemper no ed edmund Emil kemper the third also known as the co-ed killer also known by only me as the original incel Wow. 1970s incel. Now, if you know true crime, anything about true crime, uh, Edmund Kemper is a big deal because he's a spooky motherfucker. You know, he's a scary guy. He, uh, he, he's six foot nine and easily like 260. He's a big man. He's a frightening man. My man really just got into the wrong business. Could have been so many other things. No, when you see a picture of him, and I'll, I'll show you one here in a second, uh, it makes sense that he became a serial killer. But it could have also made sense that he was probably like the MVP. <laughs> he could have been like the MVP for multiple seasons as a lumberjack. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he, he could have been like, if he, well, and we'll get into his early life. He did not have a good run. He had he had a snowball's chance in hell of having a decent life. You know, he needed to be gotten from his his childhood home as fast as possible. But but uh, let's just let me let me rotate my computer see if you can see this. This is how he's a big boy. He's a big guy. Uh, that's him right there, Ed Kemper. Mm. Uh, big guy. That's him going into court above. He's a, at least a head taller. Like I'm saying, he's six nine. He's a mustachioed, dark-haired man with glasses. Uh, he is. Uh, he, he's a fun character, and he's also he's very gentle seeming. There's a lot of interviews that you can see with Ed Kemper. He's still alive, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he he's very forthcoming about his crimes. This is how we know a lot of stuff about him because he's very willing to talk about it. Um, yeah, so, and he, he seems, like, intellectual. He's, like, seemingly smart about his crimes. We're going to get to why I kind of think it's all, like, kind of a move. But also, I think in terms of serial killers, it's easy to like Ed Kemper. I don't mean to throw you under the bus, but... Hit me. He definitely... He looks like he could have been... A, a, in a different timeline, you guys could have been brothers. Yeah, no, we I share a lot of um, aesthetic... Uh, ness aesthetics with with Ed Kemper and I I I have a mustache. He has a mustache. I I I have glasses. He has glasses. I am a solid foot shorter than him. I think, you know. Um, he probably drank Pabst just like us. He probably drank Pabst. I wonder if he was a, he was a California guy. So I wonder if he was just you know sucking down. They had to get the. The regional beers, I don't know if there was as many. He's probably sucking down high lives. Mm. He was drinking with cops, so I bet he was drinking, like, like good old man beer. Oh, by the way, what I wanted to say is, like, top beers are, like, high life, apt, schlitz, hams. Mm. Those are the big four for me. That's the Mount Rushmore of shitty dad beers. That's, um, that's, the, that's, your, that's your go-tos? 
If I can get those, and also Montevilla Station has Amstall Boys, so I fucking love that place. Mm. And I think they're only like four bucks. Which is good for Portland. Portland uh, beer is expensive here. Um, by my standards. Anyway. Anyway. So, like I said, A- Edmund Emil Kemper III was born in Burbank, California in 1948. His parents were Ed Jr. and Clarnell, which is a very fun name, I think. Uh, and these two parents of Ed's fucking hated each other. They did not care for one another at all. Ed Jr. said he preferred testing nuclear weapons and getting shot at in World War II to living with his wife. That's a reach. (laughs) (laughs) This is what he said after it turns out his son was a serial killer. Oh. So, like, I don't know. Like, even he was like, no, I get why this happened because my wife was fucking rough. Natural selection, people. Not everybody's supposed to breed after. (laughs) Not everyone's supposed to breed. And see... (laughs) They had other kids, too. They had decent kids who did, weren't, like, murderers. Ed has a half-brother. He has an older sister. He has a younger sister. Like, he was just kind of the wayward youth. Uh, so, uh, Clarnell thought, and she was right about this, that her husband was a philanderer, that he was sleeping around on her, and uh, they divorced when little Ed uh, third was nine years old, which devastated him because he really looked up to his father. Uh, and Clar- and he really hated his mother. So Clarnell moved Ed and his two sisters out to Montana. That's where the next part of this horrible story takes place. The last western frontier, honestly. Yeah, Montana, I'll tell you, I drove through it coming back from Washington State when I lived in Iowa, and I really enjoyed the drive through Montana. I thought, uh, you know, just I-80, I-90 was just a really beautiful drive. I think the only thing you could do in Montana is get pulled over on a tractor for speeding. Yeah, but now Montana's. I hear people like I have coworkers from Montana say it's being gentrified. Like the capital is like a bunch of fucking yuppies coming in. Wow. But isn't that always what? That's the story. I hope these yuppies are still cowboys. Honestly. Yeah, as long as they spend money in the boot shops, you know that's all I care about. Yeah. You you got a pair of cowboy boots? I mean, if Doc Martens are cowboy boots, they're not. They're fucking made here. Like. No, I don't have a pair of cowboy boots. Let's um, get you a pair. You'd love them. I definitely need a pair so I can start my uh, cowboy era for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get some snap button shirts, mm-hmm. nice belt buckle. Buy a revolver for no dumbass Buy a revolver. Well, revolvers are <laughs> got a little bit more kick. They're like a good good old mule. Dislocate my shoulder. <laughs> Alright, so uh, Clarnell, the mom's disdain for her son Ed, cannot be an overstated. You know, she, she saw him kind of as an extension, according to Ed, as an extension of her father, so she just immediately hated him. Mm. Uh, and uh, she made him sleep in a cellar under the kitchen table. So it's one of these old school houses, apparently, where the cellar door was in, like, the dining room. Right. And she made him sleep down there with the bugs and the rats and it was just lit by one like light bulb hanging from the ceiling yeah you could feel the love yeah 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 exactly and the reason why and she said this loudly and often was to prevent him from raping his sisters in the night this is a lovely family yeah Clarnell was what I would call and I have said about other people on this podcast a real piece of work um but at any rate, so she belittled him for his size, because like I said, he was always a big boy, and constantly told him he would never be loved, 
also telling him that the reason she never gave him any affection was because she didn't want to turn him gay. Wow. Belittled him for his size. He eventually turned to be 6'9". As a 5-foot man, that's just crazy to, to, think, <laughs> to think you just belittle somebody I didn't pick this big. for you because I didn't want to make it about it, but I knew that you'd have things to say. Yeah, no, that's just wild. It's like... <laughs> You're just being, you're too goddamn big. <laughs> too goddamn big, and she did not like that. A sentence um, I'll never hear in my life. <laughs> I don't know, man. I bet you. Big old meaty cock. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even mean it like that. I just meant just walking He's like, door. I didn't mean it like that because you're right, Colin. I have a big old meaty cock. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay. Turn him gay for having too much love. That's, yeah, that's horrid. She's basically like, that's why I'm not hugging on you and kissing you. It's very sad. He had it, like, this is the thing. You have sympathy for Ed because it's rough. Like, he, he, he could have probably had a chance because, as we'll find out, he's. he's I don't smart know if guy. I have sympathy for Ed. He has these allegations on him about. Oh, how. just wait. You, the sympathy <laughs> goes away pretty quickly when you remember what he did. And we're not even to the the edge of the iceberg yet. Right. Um, so like I said, by his teen years, Ed was like 6'3", 210-ish, and like get to 6'9", like 260. Jeez. Uh, he was a very scary guy. Uh, so, But eventually, when he was 14, he ran away from Montana to his father's house. His father's living back in California. When he got there, he finds his father's remarried, has mm-hmm. a stepson who calls him dad, and Ed's living there and feels very like forgotten about, like the forgotten kid. And uh, then the, his new stepmother, pretty soon after that, tells her husband, Ed's father, I need you to send Ed away because he scares me. Yeah, Ed should just go on an Alaska fishing boat and just be the goat yeah, fisherman. Right, right. He could have right. just been so many. He could have been. He just had a bad. He was wrong for his family. And sometimes that happens. He just had a shitty fucking family. Like, not all of his members. I'm sure his siblings are fine people, but it seems like his parents really didn't give two shits. But this also seemed like a typical story. Like, World War II vet, getting divorced, you know. It happens. Yeah, he he was ripped off the gate after he was named Ed. That was... <laughs> after Ed's his dad. Third. Yeah, after Ed his dad. Third. just That's just horrible. Ed, and not Edward. Edmund. Edmund, yeah. Yeah, so also, oh, I, I'm forgetting to say, back in Montana, as a child, Ed had a habit of torturing cats, mm. uh, uh, stalking, and uh, stalking his teacher while carrying a, a knife. Yeah, Ed just was probably the coolest at parties, honestly. <laughs> he, was, he was probably so cool. But people always said he was really smart and pretty nice. People always got along with Ed. You know, nobody had a problem with him, so... Yeah, they always looked at Ed. He's like, he's very smart as he's holding a knife. (laughs) (laughs) Such a good guy, Ed. Such a sweetheart. (laughs) So, uh, for some context and some history, I always like to do a little bit of a history, a little blurb. Okay. Uh, Kemper, he was a a teenager, like I said, in the 1960s when mental health studies were still kind of in their infancy. We didn't really have a good idea of what a serial killer was at all. Or, like, an idea of what, like, proper mental health diagnoses were and how brains, like, stuff like that. And while, you know, the system, I, I'm not going to say, like, the system made Ed Kemper, but, and it's not certainly completely useless, a lot of mistakes were made in his case. We'll find out in his first point of incarceration. Mm. Um, also, the 60s and 70s were the era of the hitchhiker. Have you ever been hitchhiking? Uh, I think I did one time because I didn't want to walk the, down this three mile road, and I knew there was no chance. <laughs> to go my ass. 
this lady stopped and she just like looked at me she's like you in the right neighborhood and i was like that's racist <laughs> so no no, no i don't think i ever have either but but it's because of stories like this like as we'll find out like ed's victims were almost we're all we're all except for sorry six of his victims were hitchhikers mm. so he had a bit of a pattern in his uh, heyday uh, and many, a lot of young folks, especially in California, were hitching in this area, and it became ripe for murders. Like, similar to uh, the Ted Bundy thing, like the Bundy narrative that's come out recently, where it, it turns out he was really, in the 1960s and 70s, were a period of liberation for young women, walking around, wearing pants, flaunting their open sexuality and whatnot. And uh, like Ted Bundy, this pissed Ed off something fierce. Or, or at least, if it didn't piss him off, he felt deeply threatened by it. By independent young women just doing their thing. Yeah, the coolest at parties, obviously. Yeah, he's, a, he's like I said, he's the original incel. It's also his worsen, because later in life, we'll find out when he moves back in with his mother in adulthood, mm. which is always a sign of someone doing super well. Um, but... Uh, she had a job at the time at this university nearby where she was like a guidance counselor mm. and uh, she would tell him like every day these girls that worked at her, her, her college went to her college be like oh they're you, they're too good for you you'll never be good enough to see one of those girls like you, you're just a big old gross fat fuck like something to that effect yeah um honestly I'm not really that ageist about when people move out of their parents house but, no, that's, but you shouldn't Ed is 6'9". He could have been, like, the greatest mechanic of all time. He, he could have been. He could have <laughs> done so many things. He had the wrong kind of goals. He had, like, traditionally masculine goals, and he was a wimpy little boy. Yeah. B- wimpy big boy. Get on the fucking oil fields, Ed. Right? What are you doing? So, so many hitchhikers were murdered in California in the 70s. I could do three to four more episodes just on highway hitchhiker killers in California. There's Randy Kraft. There's the Toolbox Killers, Lawrence Bittaker and Roy Norris. That's a particular... That's a, that's When I do that, at when, not if, that's going to be a fucked up one. That's one of the most upsetting true crime stories I've ever read, read about. Uh-huh. Um, the Hillside Stranglers, who were two cousins, Kenneth Bianchi and Angelo Buono... And Herbert Mullins, who uh, whose killing spree overlapped with Ed Kemper's uh, to the point where police were super confused over whose bodies belonged to which killer. Or which bodies belonged to which killer. Wow. So, country was also still kind of divided at this point. You know, Ed Kemper was mostly in a mental hospital for his later teen years during the big hippie upheaval. But when he gets out, he finds a nation that is like in the early 70s is like hippie holdovers. People are still kind of progressive and like, oh, I want change. And then super like law and order conservatives. And Ed kind of fit into the latter thing because as with many serial killers, Ed wanted to be a cop and he became a cop groupie later in life. Ed could have just been, like, the biggest cop of all time and just been, like, killing people illegally, but, you know, he's like, I'm going to just do this on my own terms. Nah, he wants to kill young women who his mother like. It's unfortunate. We're going to talk about his modus operandi here in a second. Oh, and we're back. We're back on with Jamaudi. Oh, yeah, let's crack. I just went and pissed in my yard. Everybody needs to know that. It's great. Cracking open another PBR. Cheers to you. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Cheers, cheers. All right. 
So let's talk about the actual first murders. Ed's first victims were his paternal grandparents. Wow. Yeah, so his uh, his grandfather, Ed the First, Ed Sr., um, and his grandmother, Maud, which I love that name. I love the name Maud. Yeah, Maud. And Maud's a great name. I have some white people in my life that call me Maldy. Maldy? Yeah. You know what I think? There's a comedian, I don't want to be mean, I don't want to blow him up, but there's a comedian here in Portland that has never pronounced your name correctly for as long as I've known the two of you. I could, I could definitely see that. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, there's probably a few of them. There's probably a few. There's a specific guy who calls you Jim Moody, mm. and I'm like, there's a fucking you in it, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. Like, get out, Jamouti. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and that, and there's a T in it. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean. Anyways, not trying to flex. But anyways, so he was sent to live in Northern California uh, with his grandparents out on this farm. And as soon as he gets there, he's given, because it's a farm, like I was talking about guns earlier, he was immediately given a twenty two rifle uh, as a present, uh, basically. And he just starts shooting birds as a hobby. To the point he shot so many birds that they actually had to take away his gun. And he really hated his grandparents. He did not like living there very much at all. So one day, as his grandma's sitting at the kitchen table, he walks up behind her with his twenty-two rifle and shoots her in the head. Um, yeah, big red flags immediately where when somebody shoots at an animal or right, when they get a weapon. That's big red flags. Well, and he's already been torturing cats at this point and shit. Yeah. This guy. It's unfortunate. He could have been, like, herding cattle or something. He could have been doing so many things. He was a smart guy. Like, he could have been fucking coding if this was the era of computers. But this was the... Nah, he's too big for coding. He's too big. Oh, have you seen coders? Some of them are absolute behemoths. Yeah, I hope they have gigantor fucking... He should have gone to fucking in the military. He's a big fucking target. Yeah, he... He would have died in a blaze of glory in Vietnam or some shit. Yeah, 100%. But he had actually been one of the warriors out in war that had been able to fucking... Process oh, yeah. everything, honestly. Yeah, I guess he wouldn't have been a good tunnel rat, would he? Now you, though, if you were alive during Vietnam, if you got drafted, they would have made you be in a tunnel rat, I bet you anything. Yeah, I'd, they'd turn me into a fucking beast and get say, get in that tunnel, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so he, he shoots his grandma on the head, and then when Ed the First shows up from the grocery store, his grandson... Ed Kemper the third goes out there and shoots his grandfather right next to his car in the driveway. Um, no discretion. Note as well what he said when he was asked why he killed his grandma. He said, "I just wanted to know what it would feel like to shoot grandma." And uh, when why when asked why he killed his grandfather, he said, "I didn't want him to see that my grandmother was dead. Also, I didn't want him to be mad at me for killing grandma." Wow. He has very like logical. Well, and you'll see this with his later. I don't know victims. if I'd say like, this. I don't know. Okay, logical. logical. There's a warped logic to it. <laughs> there, there's some psychotic reason to it. There's psychotic logic. Good name for a band. <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, but when I when I when I think of logic, Ed doesn't come into mind. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, not murder. Obviously, is never logical for you know, unless you're you know a freedom fighter. <laughs> Yeah, which Ed Kemper was not. Let's say that on record. Say that on mic. Ed Kemper, not a freedom fighter. He was definitely a a freelance killer. Definitely. So he calls his mom because he doesn't know what to do in this moment. His mom says, call the police. So he does, and they come pick him up. 
And uh, he was then put in the care of the Atascadero State Hospital, where he was found to, you know, the, the court found him to, the, the court order shrink uh, found him to be a paranoid schizophrenic, but at this point, that was kind of a catch-all diagnosis. Uh, it's just kind of what they said when they thought you were crazy. Um, you know, so, uh, but uh, he, he was found when he got to the hospital not to be a paranoid schizophrenic, and also he had his IQ tested. He had an IQ of 145, which is, like, near genius levels. Like, that's... He could have done a lot of things if he just didn't turn out to be a murderer. He could have did the heavy lifting of putting together jets and shit. Damn straight. But this guy... Could have been doing any kind of nice, fun, you know, progressive things in the world. But, at any rate, he also... uh, And this is the other uh, mistake that I was talking about earlier that was made in terms of the mental health angle on his case... They should not, probably, and I'm not a doctor, but they probably shouldn't have given him a part-time job in the mental institution helping counsel other fucking patients. Like, he, he administered personality tests. He helped develop personality tests. And this just made him a better fucking criminal. You know, like if I was getting a personality test done on me, yeah, and a guy that was 6'9", stepped in the room, yeah, I'd, I'd not be comfortable. I'd be like... No thanks. I'd be like, I need another one. I need, I need, a, I need a reshuffle. I need. Bring me a nice, nice, you know, diminutive a, Asian man. Can I get a small Asian woman, please? <laughs> oh, okay, Asian. That'll. Put, I mean, I get it. I could see you. This. Nah, that's gonna be a weird thing to say. <laughs> Should I say it anyway? I don't know. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I could see you marrying a, a small Asian woman. Um. Yeah, there's a timeline where I joined the Navy. Yeah. And, and I came back. Yeah. From, and from, you are that guy who doesn't pronounce your name. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's full circle. He's going to know now, too. I, I, I didn't full circle it until I full circled it, but I and I shouldn't have. But he's a good guy. I, 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 I kid because I care. Uh, so, um, also, this was the other major issue. He is. Uh, when he was being released at age 21, because he was a minor when he killed his grandparents, he was 15, so he gets released at 21. Okay. Um, because he's made significant progress. The counselors are all like, he's doing really well. Um, but we have one condition. When we you release him, do not release him to the care of his mother. Do not let him live with his mother. He fucking hates his mother. His mother's abusive. And he immediately is released into the care of his mother. <laughs> At age 21. So, and he lives with her for a couple of years, but he eventually moves out, um, starts living with a roommate, and then he starts picking up hitchhikers. But his mom is also constantly in his life. She drops by unannounced all the time. Uh, it's really an issue. It continues driving him crazy. Um, so he starts picking up hitchhikers and killing them. Uh, friends, Anita Lu- Lucessa, Lucessa and Mary Ann Pesky who were students, college students, were picked up by Ed, taken to a secluded location up in the mountains, stabbed, strangled, and then shoved in his trunk. He then took the bodies home to his apartment, where he performed necrophilia on both of them uh, before dismembering the bodies, cutting them up into smaller pieces, and then taking the pieces to different areas and like throwing them into the wilderness and or burying them. Uh, he had kind of a ritual down, and he did that with 
One, two, three, four, four more young women and or teenagers. So uh, he had his methods, and it was pretty fucked up. Um, yeah, he, he had what he liked to do, and it's gross. <laughs> and this is where all the sympathy goes out the window. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is where I'm, like, not really a big murder documentary or, like, true crime watcher. Or like Law and Order, so this the is where, yeah, this is where it's just like whoa. I'll try to make the the later deets funnier because it kind of. Oh hard. no, you don't have to. You don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to change it because of me. But that's just this is where I'm just like, it takes me a little longer to process it because this is like one of those things that is real and just like holy. Oh, shit. it's very it's very unfortunate and um, yeah, the it's it's kind of heartbreaking because they're just teenage girls who are looking for a ride and at some point they realize. Oh, we're we're not going the way that we thought we were, you know. And he, and it's that weird reasoning we kind of saw with his grandparents is that he took one and handcuffed her and uh, left her in the car and took the other and put her in the trunk and killed her in the trunk. Jeez. And didn't want her because he said I didn't want um, her friend to see her get killed. This right. like he's in his mind that's nice. Yeah, these random... Like, like, killing this girl in this way is kind to him. This is how you know, no matter how, like... Because you can watch interviews with Ed Kemper on YouTube. There's hours and hours of them. And he is very charming to watch. Mm -hmm. He seems like a nice guy. And he's so forthcoming and so honest about what a gross person he is that there's something weirdly, if you're into this kind of shit, that can be, like, endearing. And then that, I, I kind of have a broader theory about Ed Kemper that that's what he fucking wants because he knows he can't kill people anymore. That's how he gets, like, off now is proving. He's like, look how fucking honest I am about being how gross I am. And I can make it make you see, like, forget almost the horrible shit that I've done because I'm so, like, down to earth and I don't seem crazy, but I'm fucking crazy. Yeah, it's a strange way to be charismatic for sure. Yeah. Bundy tried at the end to just say blame it all on porn. Like a lot of serial killers have taken different like routes. Ed Kemper's the rare exception where he's just like, yeah, I fucking did it and it's fucked up. But let me tell you how fucked up it is. Uh, it's very strange. So his other victims of the, this like era that he did the same ritual with of picking them up and uh, killing them, strangling them, and putting them and taking them home to dismember and fuck basically with Aiko Ku. Cindy Shaw, Rosalind Thorpe, and Allison Liu. So they're all picked up. He shot one or two of them, uh, stabbed or strangled, and eventually their body parts were uh, distributed separately off cliffs and ravines. In the middle there, right around the time I think he kills Cindy Shaw and Rosalind Thorpe, he uh, moved back home with his mother because he lost his job. You know what job he was trying to get? What job? He was trying to be a cop. Wow. What a lad. You know why they didn't want him? Too goddamn big. Too goddamn big. You're exactly fucking right. He wanted to be a chip. He wanted to be a motorcycle cop. Yeah, you're too. And he couldn't big. fit. And he was. He got. Uh, we actually can blame his obsession with motorcycles for the murder spree, kind of, because he was riding his motorcycle and he got into an accident <laughs> where it fucked him up. So he got a massive settlement from the other from the driver who hit him. And he was able to buy a car with that. And that car he decked out to be, like, lockable mm. easily. And he, he had a system where he would jam the door shut so they couldn't open it. 
Right. So uh, they couldn't get out, so he could handcuff them really easily, and he hid like weapons, like a gun, under his seat, so he could pull it on him and be like, "I'm going to tie you up," and then he could kill them. Uh, and it doesn't seem like he tortured them; it seemed like he just killed them and fucked with their bodies. Um, he raped one or two of them. Uh, it was pretty bad. His crimes against specifically the young women are especially horrific. Uh, I think he took, it was either Cindy, it was one of the heads of his victims that he then put, he buried in his mom's yard, angled looking up at his mother's bedroom window, uh, because he said mom always liked people to look up to her. Wow. And this ties into the whole thing about his mom saying, working at this college and saying, you're too gross to ever get one of these girls. Like, none of these girls would ever go for you because you're this big fat idiot. I mean, he, yeah. so he's almost saying like, "Let me show you something, mom. You think I can't have one of these girls? I fucking have her, but she's dead." Mm. Like that was his. He's a possessive killer. He's a product and process killer. He he had a theory saying like, when you kill somebody spiritually in a certain way, in his head, he's like, "You own them now," like, uh, in a weird fucked up way I think that's the it's, he's a power control killer it's very similar to Dahmer it's very similar to Bundy um, these guys aren't super complicated when you think about it in terms of their goals right but you gotta find out you gotta find out what they did and the, if they're being honest with you and I don't think Ed Ed's secret weapon is that he's honest That how, that's how he endears himself to people that's how you, nah, that's just how he lives with it, just by being honest. No, that's probably just how he copes with it. Right. Just to wear it out. Mm-hmm. It's fucked up. Uh, but, um, so, this is one of the rare cases, like, speaking of Ted Bundy, I don't know how much you know about that case. A little bit more than this one, for sure. Yeah. Well, you know how Bundy, there's a thing going around with Bundy where he apparently uh, talked about there was this girl in his life, this girlfriend of his, who rejected him and dumped him, and she had long dark hair parted in the middle, and all the women he killed had long dark hair parted in the middle. Like, she was the image of the girl that he wanted to kill but never could. Almost kind of like Ed really wanted to kill his mom. She was the main, like, image of the target of his attacks, even though he didn't kill women like her. This is a rare case. He gets the big bad. So Ed Kemper, on April 30th, 1973, killed his mother, Clarnell, in her sleep with a claw hammer. Wow. This guy just chose one of the worst routes? He chose chaos. Yeah, that's, that's pretty chaotic. She went out to a party that night, apparently, and got drunk and came home and said, according to Ed... Because of you, my murderous son, I haven't had sex with a man for five years. And something like, I suppose you're going to want to stay up all night and talk now. Like, and he had just had enough, so she went to sleep, and he beat her, caved her head in with a claw hammer. So then what he does next, fair warning, really gross. So prepare yourself for that. After he got cocked, his mom's basically saying he got cocked. She's getting cocked blocked by him. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Grown ass man, kick him out. Six nine, go work on the fucking. Here's field. the thing: it's self defeating. Like I don't like to victim blame in these true crime cases at all because I, I think there's so many. There's no excuse for murder. I don't care how bad somebody's treated you. 
There is no excuse for murder. That is where my sympathy for you ends as soon as you decide to take a human life. Mm -hmm. I can have empathy and sympathy for you up to that point, you know? Um, But also at this point, Ed's already killed his grandparents and six young women. Yeah, sympathy's out the door. I don't even know how mom's yeah. letting him stay. He, he needs to be well, like a Well, she apparently house. is oblivious uh, to this, but I don't know if I necessarily believe that. Um, I don't know, but he gets he loses his job and gets kicked out of his apartment. So mom says, "Hey, move home," even though she hates him. Headass. I would not say that. So. I don't know what her deal was. If she couldn't have just said, no, you're on your own, that probably would have saved her life. would have. Because as soon as he moved home, falls into old habits. She's constantly belittling him, calling him a dumb old fat fuck. I was just like his father. Like, he'll never be loved right. Like, I don't... Like, just giving him the message constantly that he's a piece of shit. Meanwhile, he's killing girls that his mother would like, basically. Yeah, I'm surprised that mom let him move back in. I ought to let him be homeless. It's self-defeating prophecy. It's just like, why would you ever... You know you don't have a good relationship with your son. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't force it by saying, let's live together. Yeah, I guess I I still can't reason with it because I'm not a mother myself. Nor I, but we're both sons. Like, there's a certain point in your life where I don't know if you can, like... I don't want to live with my... I love my parents, but I don't want to live with them because I've now been independent for a while and I like it. No, I could live with my parents. I could if I needed to. It wouldn't be the end of the world, but... Because I have no... like. It's I'd just, rather not. No offense, Mom. Just, yeah, I just have no malicious intent against my parents, so I'm not... I don't either. My parents were fine. This is my parents... Ed Kemper makes my childhood look like a fucking... A, ma- a vacation in... Puerto Vallarta. Yes, it's it's wild, I, but it's just um. I, I what I mean like that we're both not moms. That at the end of the day, that Ed came out of her, so maybe in some way, she's like, I do have to clean up my dog shit. Yeah, like this is my shit. So like, anyway. I imagine there's a certain amount of responsibility. Yeah, right. So that's the only that's the only thing I can really think of that she let him move back in. But if I was her in that position, yeah, you a grown ass man. You six nine. Go work in these oil fields, my yeah. guy. Go do something. You could be Northern homeless. California. You could you could just you could be homeless. You could just come up here and work like on the docks. You could you know? go be a fucking father. Uh, well, I'd go to Seattle and he could be one of the guys that throws fish around in the market. He would have loved. He would have been the best big. All the cop guys that he, he would hang out at a cop bar called the Jury Room. And they all loved him. He was like their norm. Mm-hmm. I, and he would I, I come in and he would just go, Big Ed! I say it went even better because this one actually would have knocked his rocks off. He's been a Wildlands firefighter in Northern California. He would have been, this. that would have stimulated his mind. I like this angle to this podcast where we think of how serial killers could have had better lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just keep thinking of a different, different job. No, nah, man, you're a fucking maverick is what you are. <laughs> I don't fuck Ed Kemper, but he could have been so much more with the six body. He could have body. been so much more. He could have been a fucking point guard if he just knocked off the pasta. Oh uh, no, he, he couldn't have been a point guard. No way. I don't know anything about basketball. I don't know why. No, he would have been. It'd have been the most manly, fucking gruesome job that the only that only that fucking a six yeah, nine man would have the leverage for. Yeah, yeah, wildfire. I like your your ideas. I also think he could have been a really uh, intimidating, like, high school teacher. Yeah. Like, a terrifying high school teacher. 
but I wouldn't want him around. He could have been a private private security guard that's been hired by somebody that's like, yo, if somebody touches me, just break that motherfucker's hand. (laughs) (laughs) So he's not quite done. Right, I believe it. So he goes out one night. Oh, he, by the way, after he, this is gross, let me tell you. After he kills his mom, he cuts her head off. Jeez. He puts it on a shelf on his wall and screams at it for a few days straight. He just is rotting fucking throws head. darts at it. Jeez. And then he fucks his mom's face. Okay. Yeah. That's a cherry on the top. Uh. And he's not quite done. He tries to. This is the probably. That's probably the grossest. The fucking of the mom's face. But what comes in at a close second is that he tried to put her larynx and vocal cords down the garbage disposal, and he said it wouldn't go down, which seemed appropriate, seeing how much she yelled and bitched at me over the years. Wow. That's a paraphrase from yeah, Kemper. For, yeah. Um. See, people are like, he's disarmingly honest. And I'm just like, that's horrible. Yeah. So, he's not quite done. He decides to make it look like his mom, uh, who he's just murdered, is going on a trip with her friends. So he goes out to a bar. He meets Clarnell's friend Sally Hallett and uh, asks her to come over to the house for one more drink and some food. She does so. When she does, Ed strangles her. And uh, doesn't do anything to her body, I don't think. I think just leaves her there. It was purely like a one last kill out of like convenience. Um, just for the itch. Just for the itch and just for the, you know, the synchronicity. But then he's kind of tired of doing it. He writes a bunch of notes. He says, I'm giving myself up. And, uh, yeah, he takes off in a car. He takes off out east. But, real quick, let's give out some... Some fun facts about the Ed Kemper case. Wow. Most people run from east to west. He's running west to east. That's just wild. Well, he just wants to get away from where he committed all of his crimes, which is in California. Yeah, he probably should go still go south. I don't know if yeah. he went east. But yeah, this is also, what year? This is 1973. Yeah, I guess you go east for a little bit. Yeah. You should go well, south. you can get lost in like Wyoming, Utah in there. They're not going to give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Like that time, Montana too, although he probably hates Montana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he probably just want. Yeah, it's like how Carl Panzram, another earlier serial killer, hated Oregon. Fun fact: I'm excited to do that case because I get to talk about how much he hated living in Oregon because mm-hmm. he was in prison here the whole time. Yeah, you have to get an Oregon resident for that one, to be honest. Yeah, I will have to, right, I'll have to I'll do some recent research. Um, so he had a method down immediately to kill those hitchhikers. Immediately, old Ed did, but he fucked it up several times. He, like, talked about his first murder, how he fucked up stabbing the girl and, like, made it way worse because he... It's gross, but he talked about, like, in the movies, they stab somebody and they go, uh, and they fall over. That's not how it is in real life. You have to stab them a bunch and then they basically leak to death. Yeah, one stab wound is going to make you leak. Yeah. You'll still be alive. So he's like, that was rough. Um, he also accidentally locked himself out of his own car during the abduction of Aiko Ku. And tragically, she let him back in. So he drove her out to this secluded area after she'd been hitchhiking. He pulls a gun on her, says, I'm going to, like, basically sexually assault you. Um, And kid, like, handcuffs her hands. And then he gets out of the car to get, to open the trunk, basically, I think. And he locks himself out. And the keys are inside. 
And he goes, oh, shit, the gun's inside. So he's not even, like, pointing a gun at her. And he just goes, open the door, would you? And she does. She fumbles the bag on her own life. I don't mean... Yeah, I think part of it was because she was not a native English speaker, if I'm thinking correctly. I don't think she necessarily... I think there was a language barrier issue that was probably not working in her favor. That's so horrible. Yeah. Oh, so and she let him back in and he killed her. Um, also, after his first murder of the two girls, he was driving home with their bodies in his trunk and a cop pulled him over for a busted taillight. But he never looked in the trunk, so he got away with it. He also, like I said, was a cop groupie. I'm sure he was very comfortable talking to him and just be like, he's a white guy. Why would he like you think he's doing anything nefarious? Yeah, no, this time period, he's definitely in the clear. Yeah, and he's probably like, hey, do you know so-and-so? I hang out at the jury room and drink with all the cops in this area. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, I know what's that. You know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that happened. He's a schmoozer. Old Ed. Not quite on the level of Gacy, but not far. Okay. Gacy was a mad fucking schmoozer. Uh, he also, and this is probably the most fucked up thing, he had uh, one of his victims' heads in a bowling ball bag when he went to his therapy appointment. Wow, that's cute. That is kind of cute. Speaking of therapy, he used his knowledge from the legal test to test your sanity by legal standards that he learned about as a teenager in that first mental home after killing his grandparents. He used the answers. He knew what the red flags would be to certain answers because, you know, they let him work as a counselor. Right. So he knew what not to say specifically to not raise red flags with his therapist. So he kept getting like more and more privileges after his like I don't know if he was technically on parole but his release kept showing up as fine during all the murders including him literally bringing and he did that to get off like he did that just so he could to think he's like look at how what a master fucking killer I am to bring this fucking girl's severed head into my therapy appointment like he's a pe- don't get me wrong. I might sound like I like Ed Kemper. He's a piece of shit. Like <laughs> yeah, he just does things that are like weird flexes. Yeah, he's a fucking incel dipshit. Like he's like I'm fucking like intellectually superior to all of you. Fuck you, Ed Kemper. Um, but also because of how many hitchhikers in California in this time were getting abducted and killed. Uh, colleges urged all their students to not take rides from anybody without a uh, university staff's bumper sticker. Because of Ed's mom's job, he was able to get one. So all of these girls thought it was okay. Thought, oh, he works for the university. He's safe. That's hard. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, it is rough. So, the aftermath, after killing his mom and Sally Hallett, Ed hit the road, like I said. He eventually uh, made it all the way to Colorado, where he called the cops from a payphone and confessed, and they hung up on him. They didn't believe him. They thought he was fucking lying. And then he finally asked for a cop that he knew from his drinking buddy days, and uh, he had to convince that guy that it wasn't a joke. Which uh, is pretty fucked up when you think about how you have to be like, no, really, I killed ten people. Like, that's his final kill count. Nice, even ten. He's symmetrical, our Ed. Honestly, Ed didn't really have it like that. Honestly, ten, six, nine, 
Well, like I said, as he calls himself, and they talk about this, I don't know, big people listen to this, probably listen to that last podcast and laugh or know that that's a big true crime podcast, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm a fan, I'm sure people can tell. But, uh, you know, there's a... uh, The thing they point out in their series about Ed Kemper is that, like, the thing that he calls himself, he's like, I was just a big old bumblebutt. What the hell? So they constantly refer to him as Bumblebutt Ed Kemper because he was, a, and he talks about it in the interviews later, he was fucking up these, like, abductions constantly. Just fumbling the bag? Like, yeah! He was kind yeah. of like a D-League serial killer. He was D-League, and that's kind of why he quit. Because he really, he's like, this is fucking hard. Like, and I'm not that good at it. <laughs> he's mediocre at best. Yeah, and, like, we know a lot about serial killers because of Ed Kemper. Um, because uh, as a prisoner, he was interviewed, and this is kind of the whole crux of the first season of uh, Mindhunter. He was interviewed by the first FBI criminal behavioral profiling unit, and he is responsible. All the interviews he did were what the guys who eventually coined the term serial killer and first made that a distinction in like any kind of criminal behavioral profiling um they all their original interviews were with ed and the most like helpful ones apparently so this this is crazy because basically ed kemper was a better coach than player no shit yeah he was that's fucking i fucking love that i'm better ed kemper better coach than player that's fucking that's hilarious He's the fucking Billy Martin of <laughs> serial killers. <laughs> Didn't play that well, but man, do I have the tips. Do I have the tip? Well, and he he was, uh, so, uh, yeah, he, he was found guilty of all counts. He confessed to everything. He, want, he asked to be sentenced to death, but at this time the death penalty was repealed in the state of California. I think nationwide at this point, but definitely in California. Mm. And um, he requested to be executed, though, as death by torture is what he wanted. Which I'm like, you're just fucking showboating. You you just feel like, good these for are, you for feeling bad, I guess, but... These are weird flexes, yeah. These weird are, flex, again, another weird, weird flex, because he knew they wouldn't do it. So he ends up going to the same mental hospital as, uh, same, like, low-security uh, combo mental hospital prison as Charles Manson. Mm. Um, and Ed, still alive... Wait, did I... Oh, yeah, no, yeah. He's still alive... He's a model prisoner, apparently. He's a dad. He likes prison, according to his lawyer. He likes prison because he's 6'9". Yeah, no one's gonna fuck with him. He cuts people's heads off and fucks them. Who's backdooring Ed Kemper? No one's backdooring Ed Kemper. He's pr- he's also, like, I didn't show you... I showed you a picture of him, but not like a close-up. He's not a good-looking dude. He's not bad-looking. I don't think it matters in prison. If you're no, it doesn't matter, but I think also he's not in a... He's more in like a combo, like I said, combo like low intensity prison, more mental facility. Because he's not violent particularly. He's violent towards people, but he's never been violent like outwardly. I guess people wanted to study him more, so he went to a lower security. He didn't go to San Quentin, you know, or anything like that. But um, for whatever reason, uh, I don't know. Maybe he just had a good lawyer that was able to negotiate his sentencing to a particular institution. Um, yeah, wherever he went, he was still gonna just. It's gonna take at least three six foot men to take on this fucking six nine man. Yeah, no shit. And he has never caused a problem. Apparently, he attempted suicide at one point. Um, I think per the you know uh, 
But I know I think everybody that night was just like, "Big fella, don't kill yourself." Yeah, you know, he's very. So uh, he, uh, oh, remember when I was talking about Herbert Mullins is one of the people who's killing hitchhikers in the 70s in California? Right. And the cops didn't know whose victims they were. A lot of people thought that it was Herb. So Herb gets into prison pretty quickly, and their cellmates, or not their cellmates, their cells are near each other. So Herb would be singing all night and annoying people. So this is another weird flex of Ed Kemper, to use your term. He trained Herbert Mullins to stop singing because when he would sing, he would throw water on him from the sink and then when he would be quiet and good, he would give him peanuts. Wow. And he talks about it in interviews. He's like, see, Herbie didn't like getting wet, but he liked peanuts, so when he would sing, I would throw water on him and when he wouldn't sing, I'd give him peanuts. That's called behavioral adjustment. Like, he's such a fucking bitch. Yeah. Like, in being like, oh, I'm so fucking smart. Like, he's one of those guys, he's like... It's honestly kind of just baffling that he's this big with this much of an IQ. Yeah, he could have, uh, again, could have done some probably some great things if he was not such a shit. Like, you know, if he didn't have such a shit life. But I think there's something else, like, to this day, fucked up about Ed Kemper. But, uh... Nice thing about him, Ed Kemper became a prolific recorder of audiobooks for the blind in prison. Wow, he's doing his, he's doing his due diligence in and prison. If you listen to watch a, a, an interview with him, or you can find little clips of his audiobook readings online, he has a very nice voice for it. It works very well. He's recorded five thousand hours and over two hundred to- books total, Jamaudi. Wow, it's not a laughing matter. Yeah, I, I wonder what kind of voice a man with a lot of murder tips has. He's got a very nasal voice, yeah. and he kind of swallows all of his words. Wow. That's of... my Ed Kemper. It's also my Aaron, my Adam Driver impression. <laughs> That's my Kylo Ren impression. <laughs> Just swallow every word. Wow. The theater kid's showing right now. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, I think it was around 2007, Ed Kemper unfortunately had a stroke, so uh, he is not able to read audiobooks anymore, but he's still, he's been denied parole multiple times, but he almost always, As he like, should be. <laughs> as he should be, I agree, this guy should spend the rest of his life behind bars, and, and he probably will, and he has said as much himself. He says, society is not, I, I can't, I probably wouldn't kill if I got out, but I don't want to get out. Like, people, my, my... My story is so, like, fucked up, and I've done such horrible things that society does not want me out, and I don't blame them. He's, like, his, he has a half-brother, like I said, and apparently, I was just reading an article earlier about how they, the family of Ed Kemper is still really bothered by this whole thing, and, like, they're afraid of him getting out because of the attention it would bring them. And I'm like, okay, well, you didn't get it nearly as bad as the people he killed. Right. Or their families, which technically you could say, for the people related to Clarnell, that is the victim's family and also the killer's family. It's a complicated case. How old would he be right now? Right now, so he's born in 1948. So, oh, no, at least he's like 70. 75? Yeah. Um, 75 this year if he's not already. Yeah, I mean, this body's breaking down. Yeah. He would be probably. He's an old feller these days. He looks like a walrus. Yeah, he don't. He don't want the. He don't want the publicity. He don't want all no. this shit. So I could see how a seventy-year-old man would be like, "Hey, man." Yeah. I just rob my days here in prison. 
Yeah, well, here's some fun facts to, to, to round us out. Oh, cherries on the tops. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ed is, like I said, he's always down for an interview. He's very forthcoming with the information about his crimes and his insights about murderers in general. Uh, it's he's very into he's contributed to a whole bunch of documentaries you can find clip-ums on YouTube uh, they're pretty fun to watch yet he, he and he is a charming interview like it's easy to kind of forget what he's done and then also be like oh my god this guy's a, a sweetheart he's a big old softy but you shouldn't forget what he's done he killed ten people uh, three of whom were his family members yeah he's a um Way too goddamn big to be not alarming. Yeah, he's a a frighteningly large person, too. A lot of serial killers, that is the difference, is that they say that, you know, they're unassuming-looking people. Jeffrey Dahmer, most average-looking motherfucker in the room. Some people actually think Jeffrey Dahmer was good-looking. Some people, you know, I think that's a little bit much. Ted Bundy, people think, is good-looking. I personally just think he's not ugly. You know, he's just not... Ugly by serial killer standards, by which makes serial? him a ten in serial killer. Wow! But makes him only like like a five or a six by any other scale. Like, if you ask me. Wow. But uh, Ed is always down for an interview. Like I said, uh, he also says this is because he hopes it will dissuade potential killers. He hopes if he shares what was going on in his mind, if anybody identifies with him and has murdered somebody, they'll clock it and talk to somebody about it, which sounds very nice, but this is one of those things that I don't buy about Ed Kemper. It ties into that big theory. I Part of me thinks, like I said earlier, his honesty is the only thing he has left. Man, if I was a serial killer, I'd be like, Ed Kemper's a bitch. Yeah. I'm like, bro, you, you really just giving out the, the secrets of the game right now, bro? Yeah. Nobody likes a kiss and teller, bro. Ed. Bro, I'd be so mad. I'd be so mad. Honestly. You know who the life I want if I'm a serial killer is this guy Richard Speck, and he was wow. more of a spree killer because all he did was suck dick and do drugs in prison. Wow, that that's not the that's not the rabbit hole I thought that was gonna happen. Well, he said he there's a video of him doing it. And he says if they knew how much fun I was having in prison, they'd never let me, they'd release me tomorrow. Like he just was a dude that was bound to live in jail and live a scum like life of doing prison heroin and sucking prison dick. My man, the prison was a club to him. Yeah, he loved it. He loved every second of it. Man, he really actually hated solitary confinement in prison. Probably did. No, don't put me in there. <laughs> <laughs> There's no Illinois dick in there. Illinois dick. That's a good name for an album. I've fucking uh, never heard somebody say Illinois dick. Well, now you have. So, uh, another fun fact. I dressed up as Ed Kemper for Halloween a couple years ago. That's kind of fun. You dress up? I mean, yeah. You just need a fucking tall I have the look. I'm just not as tall. Yeah, he has pair of stilettos. That's the need but I wore, like, in his interviews, he's always wearing, like, a denim, like, outfit. Mm. Like, prison outfit. And I had numbers on my shirt. I put little numbers on my shirt that just the, the numbers correlated to spell out, hi, mom. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was fun. I did a show that night, and I had the mustache and the glasses and everything, and I think it worked pretty fun uh the netflix show mindhunter jamaudi if you're not familiar with it you should check it out mindhunter mindhunter on netflix there's only two seasons it's done but uh it's really good and ed kemper is a side character in the whole thing he's played by cameron Britton, 
and Cameron Britton does a great job with his voice and mannerisms and playing Ed Kemper. It's just fantastic. You should go watch it if you haven't, I'm, and as should all of you listeners if you're interested. I'm, I'm not going to lie, because... No, I don't I, want you to lie. Yeah, I'm just not a liar. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I did this podcast because I like you. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> But this shit is terrifying. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, scary. When I'm at the crib, I just like watching cartoons and oh, smoking weeds. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, so like, when I hear shit like this, that. it's not that I want to avoid it. It's that I'm a security guard in Portland, and I'm going to have to get down and jiggy with it as it is. So when I'm at home, you know, I'm not going to lie. This girl told me I was a red flag because I like watching cartoons. So maybe I'm projecting right now. But. I don't know. I mean, I think it's more of a red flag if you're a guy like me who likes true crime. Like, I think that's probably more of a red flag to many people. And I talk about it on stage. I'm pretty open about it. I just enjoy it. But yeah, I also think another thing. I don't mean to pin it on everything. Like, pin everything on this rather. But both my parents are big into true crime. Mm. Like, and they're both women. It is a women's preferred genre. And like, it's terrifying. The the other big podcast uh, that I think is probably more popular overall than the last podcast is my favorite murder, and that one's female helmed. You know, and a lot of women like that. Yeah, I just. <laughs> As is Morbid, which is a good podcast. I like Morbid. Mm. Um, Kemper also apparently was partially the inspiration, kind of, for The Silence of the Lambs, a combination of Buffalo Bill and Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter, I mm. think, because of how he's willing to talk to the FBI and help with like profiling, and he kind of does strike you as more of a therapist because he speaks very clearly and slowly and... Puts a lot of information and a lot of thought behind his words. Yeah, every every word is a calculated stub. Yeah, kind of not unlike Hannibal Lecter, and uh, also Buffalo Bill in the Silence of the Lambs. He killed his grandma, as did Ed Kemper. Look at that, dude. I'm so not, this is horrible. It's rough. It's well, Buffalo Bill is a fictional character. Oh, yeah. Have you never seen the Silence of the Lambs? I've heard of the Silence of the Lambs. That's ringing a bell. Dog, you should see it. But. I can't say... It's a classic movie. It's kind of like a hybrid between like a horror and just like a straight-up like crime thriller. It's more of the crimey thing than horror. Okay. Okay. I'll see. Jodie Foster. I'll put it in the St. Jackson box. Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. I know this name. It's great. It's a it's a great movie, but we're gonna we're gonna finish up here. Also, there's a whole bunch. I just wanna. This is a funny thing to me that we're gonna. It is a dumb little cherry on top. This this cherry is muted. Okay. Uh, there's a whole bunch of punk and metal songs and uh, artists bands in this genre that feature a play. A bunch of them are named after Ed Kemper. But almost all of them, I was looking into this to see, like, the pop culture implications. Almost all of them employ the Kemper-Temper rhyme scheme. Almost all of them. Like, the bands, well, there's a band called the, the Temper Kempers. There's a band called Ed Kemper's Got a Temper. There's a band called Temper Like a Kemper. There's a song called Temper Like a Kemper. Kemper Temper. Lines about it constantly. It's through, like, real fucking original little indie punk and metal bands to just be like, oh, that's the only thing that rhymes with Kemper. 
Like, like you could also say, like, 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 like I, I don't know, like, do a play with her. Like, say her. What's EMP and then her? Because he killed women pretty much all except for that grandfather of his. I don't know. Lack of creativity in the hardcore scenes, punk and metal scenes, is a problem with me. I think uh, just because you scream doesn't mean you can't put some thought into your fucking lyrics. Damn. Weird little tirade to go on right at the end, but I remember where I was at mentally when I wrote that note in the script, and uh, it came back just now, that feeling. For the folks at home, remember that anger he was talking about? That was... It, it came out got almost there. just a little bit right got there. there. Got that right at the end. It was just a little bit right there. Got that right at the end. We're going to put a paperclip on that note so I don't get back into that. Wow. You know? We're just, <laughs> just going to put those notes away for forever, and I'm not going to think about that little outburst until I edit this in a week. <laughs> get more creative. Get more original. Get more Puss ass. <laughs> get angry with it. Well, this has been a lot of fun for me, Jamaudi. Did you have a good time? Ah, uh, yeah. This is great. It's been technically my first podcast, so First wow. podcast? Wow. Oh, my God. You're natural. That's crazy. I hope yeah. you feel respected. Um, I feel like I had a lot of time, uh, a lot of fun time right here, so I don't really care about the respect. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, nice. Cool. Well, that's, well, well fuck you then. I'm oh, scared. yeah. Well, I, I feel... I, I, maybe if it was respect coming from you, I'm happy you're respecting me. But, I respect you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but right. I had a lot of fun. Thank you for having me, for sure. I'm gonna watch cartoons when I get home, so I can forget about Ed Kemper and be able to sleep tonight. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good call. <laughs> I want you to sleep. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. That's the one thing I wish. <laughs> yeah. Right. Take it easy, great. buddy. You as well.